welcome back to Aspire Pre-Med. I'm your host, Dr. V, and today we have a pretty cool episode, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but it's cool because you made it so. We, we have a, a Q&A, and thank you to everyone who's reached out with questions and comments on the Instagram account. That's aspire.premed.podcast, and also over email, aspirepremed at gmail.com. Uh, you asked really great, incredibly thoughtful questions, and on today's episode, we're going to go through some of them. One observation I made is that a lot of you actually asked the same questions, and I think it just goes to show that even though everyone's journey to med school is unique, there is a lot of overlap in how we perceive these experiences, and I thought that was really neat. So let's get started with questions. Um, okay, here it is. Question one. Dr. V, what are your thoughts on pre-med students having a backup plan? Some people have said that even the very thought of having a plan B can distract you from focusing on your dream to becoming a doctor. This is an amazing question. Um, I do have a strong opinion about this, so I want to preface this by saying that you should do what you feel is best for you. This is simply my approach for myself, and I'm sharing it because maybe it'll resonate with some of you. And if not, that's cool too. Um, I believe in the power of manifesting things in your life. That sounds really new agey, but basically this idea of you know, just focusing on your goals, being passionate about your dreams, writing down your vision for the future and being very clear about it and going for it. But there are some people who stand by this narrative that even the very thought, as you say, of a backup option can throw you off, can derail your vision. I personally think that's not necessarily true. You have control over where you dedicate your energy and focus. I think it's a practical, totally normal thing to think about a backup option to keep it in the back of our mind, to educate ourselves about it, to consider exploring it even. My philosophy is that if your desire to become a physician is so strong and unshakable, then having a plan B in the back of your mind shouldn't undermine or feel like a threat to that. Being passionate about going to med school and considering having a safety net in place are not mutually exclusive things. If of course you find yourself compelled to dedicate more energy to that backup option, you know, at the expense of what you would dedicate to becoming a physician, maybe that's a sign you should check in with what you really want and possibly consider making your plan B your plan A. But that's for you to figure out. The point is, if you're really determined to become a physician, having a backup plan shouldn't necessarily pose an existential threat to your dream. Think about approaching this journey with an open mind, an open heart, and a willingness to learn about yourself. And if it's your destiny to become a physician, then this mindset should only strengthen that and help you go for that dream with even more focus, not less. That's my humble opinion anyway. You got this. Okay, question two. Here it is. Um, I had a few people actually ask me uh, this type of question kind of phrased in different ways. And one person wrote, through high school, my grades were excellent and achieving success in my academics and ECs, I think, I think that's extracurriculars, um, came naturally, or at least it felt like it did. Now as a pre-med, certain things feel more challenging than I expected and I'm not performing as well as I used to, which worries me. I feel things will get better, but is this normal? And then another person also wrote, how do you learn how to deal with not being perfect after being perfect before undergrad? I love that. First of all, thank you for sharing and for your honesty. Um, I think so many people relate to this feeling and it's pretty understandable why when you think about it. Um, 
Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're in the pre-med community, if you're striving to become a physician, you're either a high-achieving person or aspiring to become one. And I can relate to what you're asking. I worked so hard in high school, and I, I did really well. And then in college, I had humbling experiences, specifically in pre-med, that really shook me up at first. So first of all, I hope you can find some comfort in knowing that you are not alone in feeling this way. The truth is, humbling experiences are something you may come upon in college, in med school, in residency, in fellowship, in your career, or any combination thereof. And what happens next depends so much on how you handle it. So I'm going to share with you how I navigated this. And remember, this is just one person's experience, but I hope you find it helpful. First of all, looking back on some of the prior episodes, you've heard me say things like, don't be defined by a bad grade, right? Remember that? Um, and what I realize is that while the messaging is true, it's not the whole story. It's equally important to say, don't be defined by a good grade. That's to say, in much the same way as we shouldn't define ourselves by our failures, we also shouldn't be defined by our achievements. And as a high-achieving high school student, that's what I was doing. You get so much positive feedback, it feels so validating to achieve stuff, right? But if our sense of self-worth and how we perceive ourselves are tied to that, and we may not even realize that that's what's happening, but that's basically a recipe for disaster when we inevitably face humbling experiences. And we're going to face them no matter what. So what I realized I needed to do was to sever the connection between how I perceive myself and the outcome of my efforts, whether it's a success or a failure. Instead, I started to look at things like, what are my values? What exists within my character that will make me a great physician one day and a great person today? It's important to remind yourself you're amazing. You have something of value, you are capable, and you have gifts to share with this world. Don't ever lose sight of that. The next step I took, and, and this isn't easy, is reframing these humbling experiences as an opportunity to grow and be better. I know it's hard to view these setbacks as good things, but the universe is giving you a chance right now to make a correction, to reflect, to change something, to grow in some way so that you can be stronger later on. We don't have to be perfect to become a physician because perfect doesn't exist, but we can aspire to be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday. On average, of course, right? We're allowed to have a bad day, but, but that's the idea. Anyway, I really get into this in episode nine, Overcoming Bumps in the Road to Med School. Definitely listen if you haven't yet, but big picture, and I hope this answered your questions. For me, the way forward has been all about reframing how you see yourself and reframing how you see these setbacks and challenges and viewing them as a chance to be introspective, grow, and become stronger. All right, question three. My family has overcome a lot, and I'm proud to say that I'm the first person in my family to go to college. It's always been my dream to become a doctor. There's so much info out there, but I really don't know where to begin or who to turn to for guidance. First of all, thanks for sharing. Undoubtedly, our family's experiences and our personal experiences shape us as physicians, and you should be so proud of the journey you're choosing. Uh, the good news is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The path to med school is generally a well-established one. There's a checklist of things you need to do to qualify for med school, and the first step is learning what's on that checklist and then how to go through it successfully. 
There are things like uh, prerequisite classes, exams, and so on. I would say that the first place to start would be to look within your world first. For example, in your school, really establish a relationship with your academic advisor. They should be able to direct you on this path or point you to someone who can. And if your school has a pre-med committee and a pre-med advisor, that's an amazing place to start. Build relationships with the people whose role it is at your school to guide you. Uh, the other thing to see is if your college has a pre-med club or a pre-health club. This may be a great place to make connections, to get more information that's relevant to your experience in your school. And then, of course, if possible, and this isn't always easy, finding a mentor can be really helpful in this journey. Then finally, I would say it's also important to educate yourself about the pre-med journey using primary sources. So for prospective applicants to MD granting med schools, this would be something like the AAMC website. And of course, my very unbiased interjection here is that I hope Aspire Pre-Med can offer you some inspiration along the way too. Okay, last question. Dr. V. I know my goal is to go to, into primary care. I think I want to do residency in internal medicine or family medicine. I've been shadowing and or getting clinical experience in both primary care settings and internal medicine specialties. Is there anything else that I should get exposure to? First of all, yay, primary care. And it's wonderful that you have an idea of what you want to do and that you're seeking out experiences that are helping you nurture that interest. A while back, I think it's um, I think it's episode 10, What Can I Do with an MD Part 1? I talk about some approaches to take with getting exposure to different fields and so on. In an ideal world, you'd get exposure to all fields, right? But we only have 24 hours in a day, so we have to be practical about how we use our time. I think my favorite strategy from that episode was to actually consider shadowing in a field that you're not thinking about at all, just to see another side of medicine. And many times people actually find themselves enjoying that type of thing way more than they thought they would. Like in your case, um, something totally different would be like neonatology, right? Neonatology, radiation oncology, that kind of thing. Um, but what I didn't mention in that episode is that if you're thinking about going into a clinical patient-facing field, right, one in which you're thinking you're going to be doing diagnostic evaluations of any kind, learn about what goes on in the lab, where those tubes of blood go. Uh, as an internist, you'd be ordering so many important clinically useful tests like the CBC or complete blood count or BMP, basic metabolic panel, and so on. Spend some time with someone in the lab learning about what these tests are all about and what they can tell you, how they're performed, what are their strengths, their limitations, how they can help you as a clinician. In the hospital, there's the hematology lab, the chemistry lab, microbiology lab, and so on. My foray into medicine actually started in a hematology lab. You could learn so much about a patient's story through a blood smear. There's so much detective work involved and creative ways of thinking about it. So if you can connect with someone who can show you the lab world, that's going to be invaluable to you as a clinician. And please nurture that relationship with the lab throughout your career. I'm going to leave it at that for now. You all asked such great thought-provoking questions that definitely got me thinking, and I hope they helped you all too. We couldn't get to everything today. Maybe we'll do, um, maybe we'll do another episode if you want. Let me know. But... 
Uh, in the meantime, I'll also try to answer some of these over maybe like an Instagram post or something like that. So stay tuned. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. If you're enjoying Aspire Pre-Med, please share an episode with a friend and I'll see you next time.